1: Yes, welcome on in to Locked on Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and it's everyone's favorite day of the week. It is a Ferg Friday, as Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joins us. Happy Ferg Friday. Wow. Happy Ferg Friday, friend. What's going on? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm good, dude. I am good. All right, so we're recording this before Thursday night's NBA draft, so that's why we're not yep. talking about it. We'll, we'll we'll touch on that Um Next week, but what did happen is uh, Auburn now has a uh, another gold medalist. Were you able to Were you able to watch Suni Lee at all, or at least follow that? I know, I know, a big chunk of the Auburn beat was kind of live tweeting, and I wasn't able to watch it. But it sounds very exciting.
0: Yeah, I, I caught the very end of it, like yeah. the floor routine. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. I mean, the fact that Auburn's got the top athlete in a sport coming uh, to their school. I mean, like you can, you've never been able to say that ever. And few people have ever been able to say that. A few teams have been a- ever been able to say that, but yeah. yeah, the best gymnast in the world is coming to Auburn. <laughs> She's um, 18. And, That's just an amazing yeah. thing to think about. And so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, uh, Jeff Grabo said on Thursday that she is enrolled and you know, the plan is for her to compete NIL kicking in right now is a huge deal yeah. because you know, back, you know, before this you would have to go pro and that would be it for you basically mm-hmm. but um yeah I mean it's it's wild and uh, uh I I think she's gonna be a real fascinating uh test case study for for Nil because uh, I mean her her social media following has just exploded over the last week and uh that yeah her her Instagram
1: cents. is at Six hundred and ten thousand, I think. I checked at lunch yeah. earlier today. I I wish I would have checked to see what it was before the Tokyo stuff started. Um, I would have loved to have known how much it shot up. I'm sure it went up a ton today.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely did. I mean, and and I'll be very interested to see how Auburn handles all of it and mm-hmm. the attention. Um, the gymnastics they sold out of uh, lower level seats for season tickets. So cool. Um, on, so cool. on Thursday and. Uh, yeah, we record, right before we started recording, I, I just went back and checked and like the upper level, like most of the time, most of the spots now you can only just get single tickets uh, just because <laughs> of the, the demand.
1: I mean, yeah, after that happened, I saw a lot of folks on Auburn Twitter saying like, all right, I'm now a season ticket holder for Auburn Gymnastics. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Yeah. And that yeah. it was already the third most attended sport at Auburn behind football and yep. basketball, obviously. And so mm-hmm. it's like, wow, that's that's definitely going to be the case now. I mean, people are going to travel a long way to see her—the greatest gymnast in the world—is oh, yeah. going to be at Auburn Arena. That is crazy. Yep.
0: And Auburn's got a really good, uh, if I remember, they've got a really good schedule this year, home schedule in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I believe, I believe, Bama comes here, and I think Florida does as well. Gotcha. It's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good rotation for sure. And I mean, if you've never been to a gymnastics meet there are a lot of fun i would say that was some of the most fun i've ever had covering a beat is when i was in college and i did gymnastics for a spring Mm -hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun and it is really incredible i mean watching it on tv is amazing but when you're in the actual arena and you can kind of get a little bit better scale of what they're doing um you'll, you'll be blown away. They're, they are some of the most phenomenal athletes on, on the planet.
1: There's no question about it. No question about it. So congratulations to Suni Lee. Um, absolutely incredible. And it was cool to, to celebrate that with her, um, Thursday morning. Uh, Justin, I had a really, um, I thought it was an interesting conversation yesterday with, um, with our friends from the war report. And I, I think you have a partnership with them as well. I think you do some stuff with, mm-hmm. with those guys. They do a good job, but We were talking about the versatility of the defensive backfield and how interesting it is to, you know, talk about how, okay, you know, a guy like Nehemiah Pritchett could play inside, whether it's, you know, that inside slot nickel or or, or you could scoot him outside. Um, You know, Donovan Kaufman could do multiple things. I mean, there's very few of these defensive backs that are pigeonholed into a specific spot. What do you anticipate the process over the course of the fall, you know, and preparing for, for the season. How do you do that? Do you just rotate guys in a ton if you're Derek Mason? Is that how that works until you say, okay, this is the right combination?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think Derek Mason's one of those guys that in certain situations, he's going to want to have, you know, this nickel out here against this team or maybe this nickel out here against this formation or this, you know, personnel grouping compared to maybe another one. And when they go dime, it's a different guy for different spots. I think when you look at the way he's coached defenses in the past, a guy can start at a position, but that doesn't mean he has to stay there the whole game. And so I think there's going to be a lot of that that versatility in cross-training. You're going to see a lot of uh, disguised coverages. You're going to see a lot of blitzes, and you're going to see um, guys moving around all over the place. So I think when you practice it, you just kind of say, hey, you know – we feel uh, once you kind of master knowing what you need to be and where you need to be for this position. All right, let's move you to another one. We're looking at looking at with you. And then from there, it's just, I think it's going to be kind of each week building a game plan and saying, okay, this is our best combination against what this other team has, or this is the best combination we've got against a certain personnel that they like to use. Um, So, I mean, there's an obsession, of course, with the starting lineup in Mm -hmm. college football, um, because that's what we, you know, we kind of, that's kind of the mindset we have. That's how we tear uh, it off,
1: right? Like, you know, if you're a right. start, you're, you know, this tier. If you're just a role player, you're this tier of athlete and all that. But that's a little unfair for sure.
0: Right, right. And when you look at snap counts and stuff like that, I mean, Kevin Steele would say it all the time. We feel like we have about 16, 17, 18 starters. And when you look at the snap counts, that that's kind of more like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, there will be a lot of focus on who starts at corner, uh, who starts at the safety spots, uh, who is the more regular nickel. Um, but the way this defensive backfield is shaping out, I mean, you can see, I think you're going to see seven, eight, nine, ten 10 guys, you know, actually contributed a pretty high level for them.
1: Which of the defensive backs do you think is like, okay, you're kind of stuck in this one spot like McCreary and yeah, smoke. Roger. And then, you know, we looked at the PFF numbers yesterday. It seems like Jalen Simpson's going to primarily be just a, just an outside guy. It, are the all the other guys pretty much interchangeable or, you know, they could at least play, you know, one or two spots or I guess two yeah, or three Jay, spots?
0: Uh, Jayshon Miller is probably going to be an outside corner. Um, I You know, I don't see him kicking inside very often. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, most of those guys that are safeties and nickels who have had at least a little bit of experience playing on the inside – uh, are very versatile um and can move around. I think I think smoke's got some moving around to him as well. Um but where, where too? Where where would Smoke move to? Just kind of just kind of ver- the variations of the two safety spots. I okay. think you're gonna see a lot of mixing and matching back there. And you know it might be a situation where sometimes you see him roll down all the way into the box and kind of line up like a linebacker, you know, kind of like what they did with Jamie in the past. I think yeah. you'll see some of that as well. Um so yeah, but that that crew of uh Donovan Call Hoffman and Darius Knighton and um, uh, Ladarius Tennyson. Mm -hmm. And now we see it a little bit more Nehemiah Pritchett, Zion Puckett, those guys, uh, a lot of mixing and matching you can do with them. Man, I keep forgetting about Zion
1: Puckett. I just, I keep forgetting about it. And it's not fair because it sounds like he is is really, really impressing this Mm -hmm. new coaching staff. Uh, It seems like every time you bring up him, I'm like, dang it. I never talk about him. I totally forget about him all the time.
0: Well, he was, he was banged up during the spring, so yeah. like it, it's not like we got to see him a ton, but um, what he was able to do, even with the injury, um, coming back from that, it, it, it impressed coaches enough that um, I've heard a good bit about him this offseason. No, that's good to know. That's
1: good to know. Justin Ferguson, our guest today. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Very, very cool. Head over to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That's at Built.com.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June thirty. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at Kubota your family, your land and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's Kubota Jay
1: Ferg, what has been happening lately at the Auburn observer and how can folks sign up for it?
0: Yeah, this, this week we uh, had a breakdown at Tamari Austin on Monday. Uh, I ran through pretty much every scenario for scheduling if Oklahoma and Texas end up joining the SEC, as they will, right. um, What that means for Auburn's schedules. Uh, I wrote a story on Thursday about Bo Nix and kind of the pre snap warfare that goes on. And when you're trying to be a quarterback under Brian Harson and Mike Bobo, uh, and how that can make him better overall, mailbag up today couple of podcasts during the week as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on and we're about to hit full speed with, with camp starting next week. So Auburn's ever.com $6 a month, $60 a year get you all signed up and everything we do either writing wise or podcast wise gets sent to your email inbox. And uh, yeah, it's a perfect time to sign up right now because uh, things going to be coming pretty quickly. Uh, once practices start. I think it
1: was last weekend's podcast, y'all's a uh, breakdown of the buffet at CC specifically, that was um <laughs> that was pretty elite stuff.
0: If there I must say go. so myself. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Painter wanted to go, so we, we checked it out. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's good. We're trying to get him to sponsor us, I guess.
1: I love that. I love that. Let's go back to Damari Austin, and your breakdown yep. uh, of him was um was super, super in- insightful as your breakdowns typically are, but. This is a guy that the more I watch, the more I'm like, this guy's a stud. This guy's mm-hmm. a dude. Like, I mean, he's ready to go right now, and he's got another year of high school football to go. I mean, he can yeah. do everything, and he does it all well.
0: He does it really well, and he's not a burner. He's not, you know, he doesn't have this speed that are even like crazy numbers at the high school level where you're just like, oh, my God. But when you watch him on film, it's just that consistent, like, He's going to be that dude where his his uh, his style in the SEC, I think, is going to be the guy that's like man, he's going to be just hard to tackle. And one of the things that stands out to me about him is for his age, he is extremely good at keeping balance. Um, he's hard to tackle because you can kind of bump him, and he's strong enough to kind of keep you know keep everything stabilized and keep his feet moving. Um, so you'll watch highlights of him, and he's tack- he's breaking four, five, six tackles in a play because. Uh, you know he's hard to kind of kind of knock down. He's got great size for somebody his age, um, and yeah, I mean I think when you look at uh, Brian Harson in this offense, what they want to do is uh, they want to get downhill, they want to run the ball, they want to play power football and play off of that. And um, when you watch him on film, you see a dude who loves uh, absorbing contact and keep on ticking. So he looks like a guy that's going to fit right in to what they're building with Tank, what they're what they've what they've had with Sean Shivers. And then also, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of similarities between him and what they got out of Jordan Ingram uh, picking him up from, uh, from Central Michigan.
1: It seems like for the first time in forever, Auburn has really quality depth at the running back position. I-, I like their situation this year. They've really fixed that. And then I like it next year. And even like after Tank is gone, it's like, okay, they've got several years now to build up depth. I and mean, we're talking three seasons from now. And Auburn fans yeah. hadn't really had that in a while.
0: Yeah, Jarquez Hunter as well. I mean, right. you know, everything you hear about Jarquez Hunter is that he's done an excellent job in in workouts this summer as a guy that's already standing out and and getting the attention of his coaches and his teammates. And uh, he was he was a he was a freak at the at the, at the high school level in the state of Mississippi. You know, I mean, you don't break. You don't break uh, records, um, you know, like that without being really, really good. And I mean, it might not be, like I said, the same thing here with Austin. He might not be the fastest dude at these camps. He might not be uh, the strongest. He might not play for the biggest team in the world. Um, so, you know, not a five-star running back. But, man, the production is is really, really a good sign uh, for when you're trying to build this kind of core on the offensive side of the ball. Totally. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Jay Ferg, uh, I mean, you talked about Bo Nix. I haven't been able to read this article yet. It's um, it's flagged in my inbox, but I'm, I'm gonna get to it soon. But you talked about Bo Nix diagnosing things before the snap, and the previous administration's offense kind of drew criticism with, yeah. you know, how little of that happened pre-snap. Is that gonna be a big adjustment for Bo Nix? It seems like that will play into his favor. I mean, we hear. All the time, how much of a football junkie Bo Nix is? It yeah. seems like that could benefit him.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, this is a this is a guy who's you know kind of was born to play quarterback. and yeah. he studies the game a lot. He's always asking questions, uh, which was one one thing that stood out to both Harson and Bobo when they arrived at Auburn. And so Bo, I mean, like we know he's got the athleticism. We know he's got the arm. Uh, it's just about the consistency. And and the Brian Harson offense, his whole thing about coaching quarterbacks, he says, look. It's all about winning the pre-snap. You have to be elite before the snap to have any chance to be elite after the snap. And 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 Bo's got the, you know, the instincts and the ability to be a really good quarterback. But I think some of the inconsistency issues we we've seen from him is the fact that you know he would get to a play and might not have very many answers there, mm-hmm. or you know, what wouldn't be able to trust that. Okay, if this happens, here's what I need to do with it. This offense is going to be different. This offense is designed to give you plenty of answers. And so it's demanding. It's very mentally demanding, where it's like, all right, instead of, you know, uh, instead of like an August Malzon scheme where, you know, a, a passing play might have just only one or two options off of it. And it's about being, I mean, I've called the Malzon offense in the past when it worked, it was lethal simplicity, where it was, we're running it faster than you. And we know what you're going to be in and we're going to be able to attack you that way. But when right. defense is adjusted to, to pace, it goes away. So it's very mentally demanding when you get into this offense and it's like, all right, it doesn't, it doesn't mean enough to know what the play is and like where guys are going. It's that if a happens, you do B, if C happens, you do D. If, you know, scenario Q comes up where this one guy just doesn't block anybody, what do you do there? And so you've got to know all the answers. And I think Bo Nix is a smart enough quarterback and, uh, and, and, and a guy with good enough reaction and instincts to get that, it's just going to be an adjustment. It's mm-hmm. going to be an adjustment for sure, uh, but he has put in a lot of work this offseason to make sure that he's one of those guys that can be more like a pro-level quarterback in what he what he reads and reacts to, uh, and, and winning the pre-snap is so big for them.
1: How do you think that's going to impact the offensive line? I mean, is a guy like Nick Brom's going to typically make those calls Pre snap, d- does Harson and Bobo typically give their center that ability to do that? Especially a guy like Brahms, who's been a starter for a long time.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of communication there with your center and the quarterback. Yeah, um, just diagnosing what what's going on. I think also taking snaps from under center. Uh, Bo was talking about how you know your eyes are up the whole time mm-hmm. uh, when when you do that, and that's a different way of looking uh, before the snap. Interesting. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's one of those things where it is an adjustment, but he said, you know what? I really like taking snaps under center. I feel like it makes me a better quarterback, um, you know, getting, getting this kind of work. So uh, yeah, I think, I think having a guy like Brahms in the center of that offensive line to be able to diagnose things and help him out. They've already got that connection from the last two seasons is going to be very helpful. Um, and then it's just there. I think uh, trusting the guys in front of you to, to make plays and, and trust your protection, stand in there and make throws. He talked about how, One of the things he wants to improve on the most is making tough throws in the pocket, Um, but trust your protection. And then whenever the protection does break down and when it isn't there, you already know where to go with the ball. You already have the answer. And I think we saw some of that in the spring game. There were a couple of plays like on third downs where Nick's would kind of read something before the snap, see a blitz coming and he'd take the snap and immediately know where to go with the ball. Right. Uh, this this is an offense that, <laughs> you know, Bo Nix has a lot of time to throw when you look at like PFF numbers and stuff like that, and it's because he scrambles a lot. <laughs> and so I think this offense is going to be a little bit more kind of quick trigger for him uh, uh, whenever they have those situations like that. But then also when they do have protection somewhere where he can make, you know, full field reads and, and work through his progression.
1: Yeah, and that's the the scheme side of it is what I think is going to change this offense the most. I mean, a lot of people are looking at the offensive line. It's like, well, they weren't super great last year, and it's the same guys. And it's like, ah, I think there's going to be a lot of pieces of benefit from the scheme just because I think the coaching staff is going to help put guys into situations where they can succeed. I mean, you look at the lethal offenses like you know Oklahoma the last several years, Even, you know, LSU a few years ago with Joe Burrow uh, and, you know, what Alabama's done the last few seasons. Sure, they have ridiculous athletes and super talented players and, you know, all that. But these guys, they're wide open a lot of the time. And sure, their ability to run routes and their speed and their quickness is great. But the scheme is helping these guys a ton. And I think Auburn Mm -hmm. has the talent to capitalize on this stuff and... I think if, you know, coach properly, I think Bo Nix is going to know, you know, okay, in theory, this guy should be open if they're in this look and, you know, uh, this, that, and the other all the way down the line. And that's that's what I'm most pumped about.
0: Yeah, it's going to take time. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the youth at wide receiver um, is kind of the big, I won't say red flag, but it's the big question mark for this offense this year. Like how, how quickly do these guys develop? Because every time you talk to anybody on the coaching staff about, the wide receivers, it's just like, okay, yeah, we have a lot of work to do, and, and it's they're young, and they're, yeah, and they're you know they are inexperienced for the most part. So, if you do that, and you've got a quarterback who's trying to learn with this new system, and, and your and your offensive lines trying to you know adjust to a new scheme as well, you know it's going to be a work in progress. This this year one is not going to be the, you know the ultimate sign of how well this offense can be, can play, I should say, moving forward. Um, but I think the ultimate thing Auburn fans want to see this season is that the offense has signs of life and signs of, okay, well with more time, this will look even right. better. Yeah. And so I think that that could come out the most in the passing game with the way they, they want to coach. You're listening to locked on Auburn. All state wants
1: to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Just in a final few minutes here. You have any thoughts on... Auburn basketball's SEC slate, as far as the home and the way and all that. I know folks are, you know, speculating about Kentucky at home, on the road mm-hmm. at Knoxville, on the road at Gainesville is one that I'm looking at. Any uh, anything about that that stood out to you?
0: I, I thought it was a pretty favorable haul for Auburn. Good, um, that it could have been a lot tougher. Uh, The home-and-home, home. so if you don't know, the you always play three of the same teams in a home-and-home home every year, and currently in this format, it's Auburn, Auburn plays Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss every year okay. in this format. So you pick up two home-and-homes. This year it's going to be Florida and South Carolina. South Carolina you'll take. That's probably going to be one of the lower-tier teams in the, in the SEC this year. Florida it's going to be interesting. I think they're going to be kind of around that neighborhood, maybe a little bit behind Auburn. But, you know, there's a, there's a big wad of teams that have done a lot this offseason up there. Um, you haven't won in Gainesville in a while, but you will take that because I think you would rather play at Gainesville this year than at Rupp Arena at any point in time, than at LSU, mm. than at you know Ark. Oh, well, you do play Arkansas on the road, so um, I think you'll make that trade. You do go to Arkansas, you go to Tennessee. Those are going to be tough, tough games, but. Getting Kentucky and LSU both at home, I think is going to be big because I think those are going to be two ultra talented teams in the league.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Auburn will be uh, will be bumping for that one. It, I can't remember a time Auburn's gone to Gainesville recently and looked good. That's my, that's my only. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's the other thing too. I think not even since Pearl's been around that they've had you know good games in Gainesville. Um, so I mean, it's probably been a long time uh, for, for, since that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's something they're going to have to they're going to have to do. Um, Tennessee on the road. I know a lot of Auburn fans would have loved to have seen Tennessee come here, especially with the Powell. Situation. Oh yeah, situation, right? Uh, but um, you know Auburn's had a good good track record against Tennessee, even in Knoxville. So uh, I think that'll be an awesome game, and and Tennessee's gonna be Tennessee's gonna be really good again. Um, they are uh, they are very very talented, and so is Auburn. I mean, I think you know you got Kentucky and Alabama and and LSU and Florida and Auburn and. Arkansas, I mean, those are all teams that I think are going to be challenging for some of the top spots in the SEC this year. And like, man, I ain't counting out a, an old Miss um, with, yeah. the, with the way they've they've loaded up this offseason as well. So, I mean, it, it's like more than half the league is going to be really, really good. Yeah. I and mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. No, it, it
1: is. It is. Uh, SEC, the basketball conference. Jay Ferg, uh, give us the details again. everything going on at auburnobserver.com and how folks can sign up.
0: Yeah, auburnobserver.com. Uh, sign up there. $6 a month or $60 a year. It emails straight to you three or four times a week for stories, a couple of podcasts as well. You can check out our podcast for free, the ones we do on the weekends, wherever you listen to your podcast, just search Auburn Observer. And, uh, yeah, I think we've got mailbag, a bunch, stu- uh, bunch of breakdowns, more recruiting stuff hopefully next week, more basketball, more schedules, and then we'll be talking about actual football practice. Yes,
1: here, so. fall camp is so close. Thank you so much, Jay Ferg. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. We will be back on Monday to break down everything that happened over the weekend. Probably some cruton and stuff, like Justin said. Follow me on Twitter at ZBlack or Michelle sure on Twitter at Locked On Auburn and on Instagram at AuburnPodcast. See you Monday. Nope, there's a special podcast tomorrow. So tune into that. Right here on Locked On Auburn.